Amen. Well, I feel very fortunate today to have my brother to share with you today. You didn't know I had a brother, did you? Jason, I feel like you're my brother. I mean, when we first met in the parking lot, I felt like you were my brother. We are brothers in the Lord. Yes. Amen. And I believe that with all my heart. There's a man who loves God. I can just sense it in his spirit, see it in his countenance. He's been, he's been worshiping the Lord, uh, today like he loves the Lord or something. I don't know, Jason. But if you would come and join me here, he, I don't have any idea what he's going to say. He may not have any idea what he's going to say. But, uh, um, God bless you, brother. I love you, I was watching some of Jason's videos and reading some of his newsletters. And I'm going to tell you something that he may not tell you, but I feel like you need to know. Because I've wondered about this. The name of the farm is First Fruits Farm. Am I right? Yes. And I read in their last newsletter that um, they had this vision, this desire to start this ministry and give the first fruits to the needy. And then when I began to look, I found out they'd given all the rest of it too. Not just the first fruits, but everything. I'm going to tell you, that says something about a person's heart and their motivation. Amen? And I think until this point, and he'll probably say about how long they've been in ministry, in this ministry, I don't know. But up until this point, it's all been given away. That's amazing. That's unbelievable in, in this, in the culture that we live in to work and give your life and give it your all and work like crazy and give it all away. And that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, I, I, he's got some great stories. I, I, I heard him talk about the, the rooster and the, and the donkey and then the track. They're all great stories. But I want you to say whatever you feel like the Lord would have you say. God bless you. Thank you. Pastor. It's a joy to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, just want to let you know, I have my timer up here. All right. Uh, Pastor Ron was so gracious as to tell me, look, usually 45 minutes, but you take all the time you want. I said, no, don't tell me that. All right. And my wife is the first to say, please do not tell him that. Okay. Um, but because God is so good and God is so awesome. And, um, he, he is, he is given me, um, an awesome testimony. God has, has written, um, just written out my testimony and, um, He's done it in such a short period of time. Um, as he's done it in such a way that only he could do it. Uh, amen. And so just let's give praise and honor uh, to our true king. Amen. Because he is the author and the creator. And, and let's just let him have his way. Amen. Let him have his way uh, in our lives. Um, first, I want to give you all greetings, uh, not just for myself, but uh, my family, my beautiful family that's sitting right over here uh, to my left, my wife, Tay, and all of my beautiful babies. Y'all say hi, babies. Uh, 
Uh, other visitors as well, uh, our farm manager, Brother Mark Bloodworth. Uh, I see uh, Brother Dennis McCuster right here. Um, and, and even, um, you know, people from you all's uh, congregation uh, that, that have come and, and, and shared, shared their hearts and love with us on, on our farm. Uh, Brother Charles, uh, who is here, who is a, a regular at, at our farm. Um, just um, God has not only touched us, but it, it's infectious. Amen. Uh, love it, it is, is so infectious that our light shines and other people say, you know what? I want to be salty too. Amen. Let, let, let's be salty together in the body of Christ. And I'm so thankful uh, for everyone's heart. Um, but, but of course, in, in getting here and, and, and in having the, the testimony of, of where I am right now and about to present and share, how many of you know that it, it didn't always start out like this, okay? Like we, we all had a starting point, amen? And, and it looked very much so different from where we are today. And, and for a lot of us, God is still writing uh, our testimony. But but uh, when I think back to when it was all about myself and, and my plans, and, and, and when God tried to come in and, and do a little bit of writing, I said, no, God, I, I got this, all right? I've got my own dreams, I've got my own aspirations, things that I want to do. I want to live my life. And um, one person that I, um, in the scriptures that, that I think so highly of, um, someone that's just so passionate in their walk with Christ, um, but yet um, just loving and caring a little bit too much and, and making a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I think about the heart of Simon Peter. Um, and I know he gets a bad rap. All right especially when, when he was just so loving, uh, and he said, Jesus, no, that can't happen to you. And he said, get behind me, Satan. All right. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, yo, Jesus rebuked him. All right. And he even denied Jesus three times. But, but you know what? Just his heart just kept coming after Christ, just kept following after him. And I even look back to where Simon Peter started his first encounter with Jesus and we can find that in Luke chapter five. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, so hope you do. Um, you know, please follow along with me at Luke chapter five, everyone. And uh, at the beginning of of this chapter, we see that, uh, uh, of course, Jesus is doing something that he he loved to do most, and that's preaching the word. Amen. And. There was something else that he liked to do. You know, the, the crowds, he wanted to get away from them a little bit. So he said, uh, you know, he, here's a, a couple of boats. Let me see if I can get out and, and minister to the people uh, from, from the boats. And I don't know, it must be something oratorical about it. Maybe his voice, you know, projected and, and reflected off the water a, a little bit. But, but Jesus, you know, he loved doing that as well. And here's the thing. There were some fishermen that had just been fishing all night. All right. And they had come in and they were cleaning their nets. Now, here's the thing, guys. I look at both sides uh, of this picture uh, and I'm trying to put myself in Simon's shoes in, in this very moment. Can you imagine working all night long? OK, all night long. And, and it says right here, verse three, Jesus entered into one of the ships. He didn't even ask permission. All right. Like, hey, can I come aboard? You know, permission to come aboard the ship. Jesus didn't even ask permission. Jesus just stepped on board. And I'm like, look, I've been working all night. Okay. 
been toiling all night and I'm ready to go in, get a bite to eat, freshen up, spend some time with my family. And this stranger that I've never met before is stepping foot on my ship. And he said and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. And here's the thing. Simon Peter's humility. He obliged Jesus. Not even knowing who he was. The humility. He obliged him. Amen. And verse four. Now that when he had finished speaking and ministering, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep a little bit and let down your nets for a drop. Now. You, you know how you, you give someone a, a, a favor or, or, or you, uh, you uh, open up the door just a little bit and then all of a sudden they ask for something else and they, you know, they, they just make themselves real comfortable. OK, and I'm also thinking from Simon Peter's point of view, come on now. OK, you, you, you want it, then you know, just so you can minister a little bit. And on top of that, I've been fishing all night long. All right. Now, Simon Peter. He wasn't just a fisherman. He was a professional at what he did. That was his profession. And his father was a fisherman. And I'm sure his father's father was a fisherman. And I'm sure he's looking over at Jesus like, come on now, man. Like, look, I don't know who you are all of a sudden coming and giving this advice, but I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I've been in here all night long. And you want me to, you know what? Just so... I can show that I can prove you wrong. All right. I'm going to cast this net out one last time. And after I cast this net out, I'm going to look back at you real good and hard when I'm pulling it back in so you can see, okay, that I've done this and it ain't nothing out here. All right, man. And so he threw his net out. But all of a sudden, when he began to pull it back, oh, hold on a second. It, it didn't feel like it felt all night long. Before, all of a sudden, there was a, a trembling and a shaking in the water. The nets became full of fish and so full that they had to call over their sister ship and say, hey, we need some help. The boat was overflowing with fish. Can I get an amen? amen. Can, can someone say our cup runneth over with, with blessings? Amen. And so now, verse 6, there was a multitude. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets began to break They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they could come and help them. And they came and filled both of their ships, that they both began to sink. Now, here's the thing. Here's the time of the identification in Christ. And how are you going to recognize this man for who he is? Here's the time of identification also of where our hearts are. And where we are in our lives. And we have to be honest. If it were me, because I put myself in Simon Peter's shoes and I, and I look at this, you know what I'm thinking? I'm rich. This was the best night of fishing I've ever had in my life. Before I can even make it back to the banks, you know what I'm doing? I'm calculating, okay? Man, I got about 2,000 pounds of fish on this boat. And I got about 2,000 pounds of fish on that boat. I'm already calculating, I'm going to go straight to the market, all right? I'm going to sell all of these fish. 
I can pay off all my debt. I can buy myself a new pair of sandals. All right. I, I, I can buy my, buy, buy my, my parents something nice. I even get my father a brand new boat. How many of us start calculating? Can we be honest? When, when, when we see a check in the mail, Versus instead of thinking about how we can bless other people or, or, or bless the kingdom of God, we start calculating on our own selfish desires, our own fleshly desires. Here's what Simon Peter did. The identification. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. What he's saying is. This blessing, this unexpected blessing that I know that it didn't come out of nowhere. The source of that blessing was you, this stranger that I've never met before in my life. You are the source of this blessing. And you know what? I know that I'm a sinful man. I know that I don't deserve a blessing such as this. Can we be honest for a second? How many times have, have we received blessings that we know that we didn't deserve and we just went, went right along and said, thank you, God. All right. And just kept going on about our way and instead of instead of taking it and receiving it in humility and repenting and saying, God, you're so gracious and merciful. You know that I haven't been faithful. Why are you still blessing me? And here's what Simon Peter did. Instead of going to the market and thinking about his own fleshly desires, he didn't want the blessing. He wanted the source of the blessing. He wanted the blesser. All right. And in the next verse, it said that he forsook all and followed Christ. Forsook all. Now, when I think back to my walk with, with Jesus, I knew that I should have repented. I knew that, that, that I should have asked for forgiveness. I knew that I was doing wrong. All right. And just like that song says, tomorrow, I give my life tomorrow. I thought about today. Oh, yes, it's so much easier to say. It's so much easier to say tomorrow versus repenting and recognizing Jesus as the, as the son of God and following him today. And so now we all know that there will come a day where every tongue shall confess and every knee shall bow. And when that day comes, it's going to be by force. But right now, we all have an opportunity to confess and to humble ourselves and repent and come to him freely. But I kept denying him a thousand times. And it wasn't until the, towards the end of my football career, at the top of my mountain, fortune and fame, making millions of dollars. And I'm still denying him every single day. Now, dressing up real nice, going to church on Sundays. Now, I know how to dress the part, okay? I know how to be a real good actor, all right? I, I, I know how to, I, I know how to, uh, you know, uh, put on these airs and fronts, just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, 
so that when people see me uh, and I'm like, oh, how are you doing today, good sir? And everything's going well and, and God bless you. And they're like, oh, Jason, man, he's, he, he's a, he's a man of God. No, I'm not. I was lying my way the whole time. Lying the whole time. There was no true repentance. Just going to church on Sunday and Monday through Saturday doing whatever I wanted to do. But I came to church on Sunday to get my fire insurance. All right. And, and, and then before I left that door, I was like, all right, Jesus, are we good? Is, is, is that enough? All right. Can we be honest with where we are and where we've been? But here's how gracious and merciful he was. Now, I didn't come to Jesus freely, but he stopped me dead in my tracks the same way that he did, Paul. And I thank God that he didn't strike me down. Thank God that he didn't blind me. But here's what he did do. He shared with me a vision that was so crystal clear, a vision of my future. And when he stopped me and he showed it to me, he said, Jason, why are you still running from me? You know my word, but you're just a hearer of the word. You're not being a doer of the word. All right. Why do you keep forsaking me? And in that vision, he showed me my future and that there was brokenness, that there was divorce, that I wasn't even able to hold much. My children weren't even in the same state as I was. All right. He showed me that there was, that there was bankruptcy, like everything that he had blessed me with. How many of us know that the good Lord gives and he also taketh away? And in that middle of that vision, I'm like, Jesus, no, not me. He says, oh yes, Jason, you, if you don't humble yourself and repent. And I said, no, Jesus, not me. And he says, oh yes, you. And I saw it so clear that I saw that there was a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. And you're just talking about just your teeth and just, just gnawing away because you're being tormented by the demons. And I started that prayer with that vision upright. And when I finished, I was down on my knees. All right. For the first time I was down on my knees. And here's the thing. That was a position that I'd never wanted to be in. But it was a position that Jesus always wanted me to get to. It was a position that I ran from for the longest time. And also, I'm a big, strong guy. I still hold weightlifting records at UNC Chapel Hill. Okay? But no matter my strength, I wasn't able to hold it all together. I wasn't able to, 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 to be the man that I was supposed to be for my family. No matter my degree, from Carolina. Oh, I'm a smart man. All that worldly wisdom, it didn't mean anything. Okay? The strongest that I've ever been is when I was down on my knees. And down there, here's what I said in repentance. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You just say the words, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And guys, let me tell you what now, that, that that's real dangerous, okay? 
And I pray it's a place that everybody gets to in their walk with Christ, but you don't know what he's going to say. Okay. And you better be real careful. That rich young uh, ruler came to Jesus and said, hey, what, what else must I do uh, to, to be uh, uh, to be perfect? He said, Jesus said, well, have you done all of these? Have you followed these commandments? He said, yes. Well, you know, if you truly want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give them to the poor and follow me. He put his head down and he walked away. Because Jesus knew that one thing. Please know, Jesus knows that one thing in our lives that we're holding on to. That will keep us from him. And not only that. Satan knows it as well. Whatever you want me to do Jesus. I'll do it. I said Jesus. I need you to not just to restore myself. I need you to restore my marriage. I need you to restore my my, my family Jesus. I know that you can do this. I have faith that you can do this. This is what you do. You're a redeemer. You're a restorer of relationships, of things that are broken. And I need you right now. You just give me the words and I'll do it. And in the middle of that prayer, it was the first time I heard the Holy Spirit for the first time as clear as day. And the Holy Spirit said, pour it all down the drain. And I'm like, okay, that was real cryptic. I don't know what what that means. All right. Um... You know, what does that, that's not the words that I was looking for. And I said, please, what was Holy Spirit said again, pour it all down the drain. And I open up my eyes and I'm looking around and I look behind me and I was down on my knees in front of one of our bars. Now I'm not a drinking man. But if you have a bar in your home, which we had two huge bars, the cool thing to do is to, is to stock it with some top shelf liquor. All right. And I had all of these uncorked bottles up there, brand new bottles, all of these false idols up on shelves in my home. And in obedience, every single one of them, I began to uncork them and pour them down the drain. Every single one. And now... Here's the thing. This is about 1130, 12 o'clock at night. Everything is clanging around. These bottles clanging. And my wife, yo, comes out uh, because our relationship wasn't uh, wasn't all that good at, at the time. My wife comes out. What are you doing? Making all this noise. I said, I'm pouring it all down the drain. Yeah, I can see that. Why, why are you doing that? I said, because Jesus told me to. And she looked at me all weird because, oh, I I was a big, strong man. I didn't submit an answer to anybody. All right. And if I was going to church, I was just playing church because I'm in control of my own life. That was the first time she had ever seen true submission from her from her husband to a higher source. And she just looked at me all weird like, okay, all right. I don't know what's going on, but Jesus, keep doing whatever you're doing. All right. And so, guys, I was so excited. I went into work the next morning because I was still playing football. And my locker mate, um, who, who was one of my brothers in, in Christ, I, I sat down and, and talked with him. I said, I said, brother, I, I had an awesome breakthrough uh, with Jesus last night. Man, at my, at my bars, uh, I, he told me to pour it all down the drain. I poured it all down the drain. He's like, Jason, calm down, man. What, what's going on? I said, you mean, I, he was like, Jason, calm down. 
he said, yeah, I know I've been to your house. I've seen what you have. He was like, you mean you opened up every single one of those and poured it all down the drain? Yeah, man. Like he told me to do it and I did it. Like, aren't you happy for me? He was like, yeah, but next time, you know, God tells you to get rid of something, uh, you know, call me. I'm your friend. Okay. I, I, I'll help you in your time of need and take it away off your hands. I was like, no. I said, he didn't tell me to throw it away or give it away. He said, pour it down the drain. All right. We serve an intentional God. He is specific. And here's the thing, guys. Shortly after that and that conviction, I, I began to tell my wife, I said, dear, we've got to get back to faith and family first. I said, we've had it all wrong. I said, we've got to get back to faith and family first. And never again are we going to place the almighty dollar as first over our family and our household. And so now the season was ending, my last season. And here's the thing. I knew how to be a really good football player, but I didn't know how to be a good, a good Christian, a good follower of Christ. I knew how to be a really, really good sinner, but I didn't know how to be faithful. But here's the thing is that everything of which I did in my planning and preparation for the world, I said, you know what? I'm going to start running for you, Jesus. And so I had to go to a spiritual training camp, a spiritual boot camp, you know, per se. And here's how I knew how it had to work out. Three things is real simple. Fasting, prayer, and getting in my word. Fasting, prayer, and reading my scriptures every single day. Because I was still a babe in Christ. I was suckling on milk. But when I say over a short period of time of going through this, it's just every single day, every single day, the Holy Spirit renewing my mind, renewing my heart, taking my marching orders from Christ. I began to, these, these simple prayers, because I didn't even know how to pray at the time. To then saying these really strong, fervent prayers to our Heavenly Father. And I began to see Jesus restoring and redeeming my marriage. I began to see Jesus, but because I had to learn what it meant to love my wife as Christ loves the church. I had to learn what it meant to raise up my children the way that they should go. And to love on them and to be faithful towards them. Being the leader that God had called me over my family. And... God was so faithful and that my wife and I, we were hitting on all cylinders in such a short period of time. It was like we were, we were honeymooning again. All right. And, and I'm looking around like Jesus, like you're really good at this. Like, like you, you're really good at restoring relationships. And so I said, what other relationships in my life can I point out that Jesus can, can redeem and restore? And so I started looking around and you know what? I had daddy issues. Okay. A lot of us do. We, we got daddy issues. All right. And, and I said, you know what? I've never prayed with my father before. Now there's one prayer that we always said together and that was grace over meals. And we know how to see that prayer real good. Right. But when it came to saying just humble prayers, a father and a son towards God, we had never done that before. And I said, you know what? 
before I can move forward, you know what? There, there's some generational curses that have to be broken before I have to move on towards and closer to some generational blessings and some generational obedience. And so I said to myself, Jason, the next time you get back to North Carolina, you're going to pray with your father. And the Holy Spirit said, you've got technology. You've got a phone. Why don't you do it right now? And I was like, uh, 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 Holy Spirit. I, okay. I, I wasn't ready and prepared, but without delay, I picked up the phone and I dialed my father. Here's exactly how the conversation went. Hey son, how, how you doing? Hey, how you doing dad? You know what dad? I jumped right into it. We've never prayed before. I don't know why that is. That's going to stop right now. And why haven't we prayed before? Uh, well, so I, I ambushed him, caught him off guard. All right. Now, Pastor, I know how, how, uh, we're supposed to ask permission. Hey, hey can, can I pray for you, brother? All right. You know, can, can we pray together? I didn't ask for permission. I said, dad, we're going to pray right now. And he was like, okay. And I said, father God, all right. Need you to come into our relationship right now, dear God. Well, whatever was broken, whatever uh, the communication, whatever the errors were before, damn like, Father, we're going to surrender our relationship to you. And we're going to break these generational curses because you know what, Father, I've got some sons that I need to mature for in Christ. Amen. Because here's what I told my father. I said, Dad. I love you. I appreciate everything that you've done. And I say, you did everything the best way that you knew how. But I still desire to be a better man than you. All right? And here's the thing. Your grandsons, I desire for them to be a better man than me. Amen? For us to continually to draw closer to God. And after I finished praying for my father and praying with him, I said, all right, dad, now's your turn. All right. And I never heard my father pray before, but I turned it over to him. I said, go ahead, dad, pray. Whatever it is, you you pray. Just like little Miss Patty up here praying. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Right? Like, like, you know, speaking a foreign language, pray. And my father said, dear God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. That was his prayer. And that was the first prayer other than grace that I'd ever heard my father say before in 29 years. Several years have passed now since 2012. You asked him to pray now. Iron sharpens iron, convicting one another in love. You asked him to pray now. Oh, my father, he can pray. Amen. He knows how to go to Abba Father for what he needs in prayer. Amen. You ask my babies to pray. You better watch out. <laughs> whatever, whatever you got going on, sickness or ailments, they'll come lay hands on you right now. Amen. Just like the disciples, they, they will go to Abba Father, boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. And God, he's just, he's rebuilding and restoring. And the whole, and this whole time, I'm reading my scriptures and, and I'm trying to get throughout the book of the Bible and God keeps taking me back to Genesis and the story of Joseph and how God used Joseph to prepare Egypt for the upcoming famine. I'm like, all right, God, that, that's a real good story. Let, let me move on. And God took me right back to Joseph and using him in preparation for upcoming famine. 
And I move on. And God says, Mm-mm, come right on back. And I'm like, well, all right, Holy Spirit, like, what are you sharing with me? What, what do you want me to know? All right. And so I said, I got it. I, I finally got, I said, thank you, God, for, for sharing that with me. Thank you for giving me a spirit of preparation. So here's what I did. I went to Sam's Club, bought a whole bunch of dry goods and canned goods. All right. And I brought them back to my home, put them in our pantry. And I said, hey, now we're ready for, for the zombie apocalypse. All right, God, like we're, we're ready. OK. And God said, no, Jason, like, come on. Like, Jason, I'm revealing all this to you. And I'm sharing this with you, not so that my blessings can stop at you, but so that my blessings can flow through you. Amen. And so, guys, we all love the 23rd Psalm, especially when I uh, get to the point where our cup runneth over. But in selfishness and in my flesh for so many years, here's what I was doing. My cup was running over and I see it and I'm like, wow, th- thank you, God. All right. But hold on a second now, God. I, I traded out that cup and-, and I went and I got a bowl and I said, all right, God, okay, keep on pouring. And God kept on pouring. I said, well, well, thank you, God. All right. And then I traded that out. Hold on one second. And I got a pitcher and then a bucket and then a barrel. And how much is enough? All right. For us to store up riches, you know, for ourselves and for our own household. But yet Matthew 25, Jesus said that whatever you've done for the least of these, you have also done for me. How can we in the body of Christ look out and see people in need? Our neighbors whom we are called to love in need and we not do something about it. And so, man, God, he laid down on me like like a ton of bricks, convicted me so hard. So I said, "Okay, God, I said, all right, you don't mean you don't want me going out and buying food. Uh, you, you, You want you but you still have given me the spirit of preparation. You want me to do something about it. And yes, your your, your children, there, there's people in, in, here in the world that are hunger. They're food insecure. So I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it, God? And I'm like, okay, well, this food, where's this food come from? All right, well, it's grown. All food comes from farms. And and, and God, you want me to, to to work in the trenches? You want me to do this? Uh, God, you want me to be a farmer? What? Hold, hold on. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, Jason. I'm like, hold on a second now, okay? Because I wasn't prepared. All right? I wasn't ready. But how many of you know that... Uh, that, that Noah, he, he wasn't ready either. Amen. He, he wasn't ready to build an ark. I'm like, God, I, I'm, I'm not ready. And God said, don't worry. I'll supply you every need. I said, God, well, well, what about this? Don't worry. I, I'll take care of that. And he's taken away every excuse. And it was so great. And it was so awesome. I'm like, God, people are going to think I'm crazy. Has God ever shared something with you, revealed something to you that's just such mind-blowing that you're like, I can't share this with anybody, all right? They're going to think I'm a crazy Christian, okay? They're going to think I'm a radical Christian, all right? And here's what I did in fear. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't even tell my parents, okay? I didn't tell my agent. I didn't tell anybody. And I'm like... God, with what you've given me, what you shared with me, I told you I'd do anything. And yes, I, I want to be faithful. I want to run for you, God. But like, show me how, how is this going to work out? How, how is this going to, how, how am I even going to go, going to make this thing work out? And God was already calling me back to North Carolina. And, and, and in that, 
this, this ministry was going to be here in North Carolina, but we're still in St. Louis. I'm still under contract for the St. Louis Rams. And I'm like, how's all this going to work out, God? And sure enough, God started opening doors and he started closing doors. All right. He started moving and shaking some things around. Sure enough, our head coach there was fired. Jeff Fisher from the Tennessee Titans came in and took over for the St. Louis Rams. My agent called me up and said, Jason, you know, they might be letting go all of the old, old veterans. They might be releasing you from the team. And I'm like, really, God, that's, that's my way out. Right. I'm like, so here's what I wanted. Here, Here was my desire. I said, God, make this transition easy for me. So, so that I can just ease on back and, and move away from football and back to North Carolina and just happen to buy some land and, and happen to farm. And no one is going to ask me any tough questions. No one is going to think I'm crazy, right? And it seemed as though God was making it work out just like that. But here's what happened. I was released from the Rams. My agent called me up the very next day and said, Jason, I know you're thinking about leaving football, but you can't. There's three teams that want to sign you to a long-term deal right now. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm desired? Like, I'm that good? All right. He said, yes, Jason. Like, yeah, man, you're, you're still a good player. And I'm like, well, okay, well, well, what teams are they? He said, Jason, you can sign with the Carolina Panthers. You can go back and finish your career with the Baltimore Ravens or the San Francisco 49ers. All three of them want you. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Because not even my agent, only my wife and I knew that those were the specific three teams that I wanted to play for more so than anything. The specific three teams. And I'm like, God, what's going on? Like, well, what are you doing? And we know that temptation doesn't come from God, all right? That comes from devil. That was my temptation. And yes, he knows our favorite flavor of ice cream. And he will dangle it right there in front of our faces, just like a carrot. And so here, here's what I did, guys. When I talk about tomorrow, I'll give my life tomorrow. All right. I considered that. And just like Lot's wife, I should have kept moving forward. But not only did I turn and look back, I turned completely all the way around on everything that God had called me to do and the direction that he was leading my, me and my family. I did what I didn't want to do. After, after going through spiritual training camp, after getting in my word, praying and fasting, now I'm, I'm turning my back on God because that's what I always wanted in my flesh. And the devil is saying, Jason, I'll give you what you always wanted. This is what you said you always wanted. Here, you can have it. I wanted to be drafted by Carolina. But they didn't want me. They drafted offensive linemen in the third round. I went in the fourth round to Baltimore. And I could have finished my career in my home state. Wow, that would have been pretty cool. Baltimore, yeah, they're... they're that's a nice organization. I knew everybody there had, had roots in the community. But now here's the thing with San Francisco. Tay, she's from the Bay Area. 
her family, her parents, they're still out there. And she always told me, she said, Jason, if you ever get an opportunity to play for the 49ers, I want to move back here and spend some time with my mommy. All right. And we've all heard a happy wife makes a happy life. <laughs> and I wanted to make her so happy. And I'm like, I'm like, God, like what's, what's going on? What am I doing? And here's what I did. I flew from St. Louis to Charlotte and I took a visit with the Panthers. And I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, God, please make it easy for me. My parents, they drove down to Charlotte from Henderson. They picked me up, dropped me off. And it would have made my mother the happiest woman in the world. And I, I went into fasting and praying. And my mom was like, oh, you, you want some dinner, son? You want some breakfast? And I'm like, I'm like, no, mom, I'm just, I, I'm fine. I, she didn't know what was going on on, on the inside. She didn't know that I'm, I'm wrestling with God, all right, and thinking about making a deal over here. And so I went in their facilities. I'm like, God, help me. Please make it easy for me. I'm in the weight room. Coach Rivera, he's in there working out, and I'm shaking his hand. I'm just like, Jesus, please help me. And they're saying, we can go up to the second floor. We can sign a contract right now, Jason. And I said, Holy Spirit, please help me. And as clear as day, the Holy Spirit said, you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm looking around like, did y'all hear that? Like, what? I mean, just said, you're not supposed to be here. And that was just enough to just push me away. I'm like, thank you, God. I got up out of there real quick. You want to go upstairs, Jason? Nope, I got to go. I got to get out of here. All right. Went back to St. Louis and I was like, not messing with, flirting with any more temptation. I can't do it. I know I'm not strong enough. Well, you got to know where you are. Okay. You got to flee. You got to run away. Here's the thing. The very next month in April, we visit Tay's family in San Francisco. Didn't let anybody know that we were going out there except for, uh, uh, except for my family and, and my, my agent. He must have called up their organization because while we're out there, the offensive coordinator calls me up and says, Hey, Jason, I heard you're in town. You need to come over to our facilities. We need to sign you to a contract. And I'm like, whoa. Like, where is that coming from? And I look over at my wife, who still doesn't know what I'm wrestling with. And I say, dear, we're here for your family to spend time over Easter. I can't go meet with the 49ers. And she said, oh, yes, you can. All right. I'll watch the children. Okay. I'll stay here at the hotel with them. Like, she pointed towards the door, like, go sign the contract, stupid. Right. Make, make me the happiest wife in the world. And I'm like, oh, I wasn't prepared. I, I wasn't on top of my prayer life at the time. I wasn't fasting. And I went to their facilities and they're just tickling my ear, telling me all these buzzwords. Jason, you can be a part of something special here. You can be a leader on this team. We're about to build a brand new billion dollar stadium. All right. And you can be a part of this. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not supposed to be here. I'm like, thank you, God. Like that's just, that's just enough to push me in the right direction. And so I ran back to the hotel and Tay is sitting there like, Jason, all right, tell me the words that I want to hear. Like, did you sign the contract? Are we moving here to San Francisco? And I said, no, dear, we're not. She said, hold on a second now. You didn't sign with the Panthers. You're saying you're not going back to the Ravens and you're saying you're not going to sign here. If you're not going to play football anymore, then what's, what's going on? What's our family going to do? I said, dear, God is instructing us 
to put our home on the market back in St. Louis and to move our family back to North Carolina. God wants us to purchase some land. I still left out the farmer part, all right? Forgive me, Lord. For, forgive me. She, she, she wasn't ready for the whole thing. Forgive me. And she said, I'm glad God is sharing all these things with you because he's not sharing any of these things with me, okay? And that was the leap of faith for my wife to follow me as I was following God, all right? And so, guys, the transition and that Tay didn't fully get it, and it's also my fault because I didn't fully share it. But I said, Holy Spirit, please reveal to Tay everything of which is going on. Please help me share and reveal to her. And here's what happened. We became equally yoked. And we came on board together and we said, God, whatever land you bless us with, we're going to name it First Fruits Farm. To bless your people, God. We're going to give your people the first fruits of whatever is grown and produced from that land. Our marriage was our first covenant. This new covenant, little did we know that we invoked the powers of heaven and that God would open up the windows of heaven to pour us out a blessing because he blessed us with the most beautiful land, the most beautiful farm that we could ever imagine. And... When I first got there, uh, you know, Tay cautions me that, you know, children, they don't understand figures of speech and sarcasm. When I first got there, I shared with JW, our oldest at the time, he was about five. I said, son, this is the land flowing with milk and honey. I said, this is the promised land. And, and he's, he's looking out o- o- over the land. He's like, uh, dad, uh, I, I don't see any milk, dad. And I, I, I don't see any honey. And I'm looking down at him. I'm like, oh, I said, forgive me, son. I said, you know what? You see the luscious green pasture? He said, yeah. I said, that can supply the the grass to feed so many cows that they can then produce milk. I said, you see all the wildflowers? That can produce the nectar and the pollen that can produce the honey. He said, oh, dad, I get it. And so here's the thing. I still prayed for God. To write my testimony. I still prayed for God. To give me a testimony. I prayed for God to take me to a place. Where I would cry out to him. Because I wanted to be drawn closer to God. And at that time. I wasn't worried about. How we were going to subdue the land. And grow the crops. I wasn't worried about it not one bit. Because we had money in the bank. We had investments. I said God whatever you want me to do. God we can do it. All right, I can hire the staff, the employees. We can do everything that you need for us to do. And we started out subduing the land, doing a renovation on the farmhouse. And here's what happened in 2013. All of a sudden, something started happening a little bit weird with our finances. Investments that we had just started evaporating in thin air. Financial advisor dropped the ball multiple times. Millions of dollars evaporated. All right. They came back and said, well, Mr. Brown, you signed these disclosures and these disclaimers. You knew the stock market was risky. Uh, There's nothing that we can do. And everyone else at the time was saying, man, like everyone was gaining in the stock market. What's going on? I don't know what was going on. I'm looking at my wife like, dear, I don't have the answers. Uh, An investment um, in an aquaculture farm up in Maryland. 
hurricane came up the East Coast, wiped them out. President, CEO of the company had cut rate insurance. Insurance company didn't want to honor the claim. The company went up bankruptcy. Millions of dollars disappeared. Another investment, fraud, mismanagement, embezzlement of funds, money disappeared. And literally, over the course of a 12-month period of time, all the way through 2013, we go from being wealthy, and I'm like, God, I can grow whatever you want me to grow here, to we're managing everything in our account. We, we are, I'm talking about, but here's how awesome God is. Here's how awesome God is. We've always had a roof over our head. We've always had meals on our table. We've always had clothes on our back. But when it came to me going out in 2014, I said, God, I'm going to subdue the land. But here's what I had. God, you called me to be a farmer and I don't have any seed money. I was driving a hand-me-down tractor at the time from my father, a 1969 Alice Chilmer, a dinosaur of a tractor. And I'm out in the middle of our farm, swatting away at mosquitoes and bugs, covered in soot, the sun beating down on me. And I felt as though my father had forsaken me. And you can call it a prayer if you want to. I was crying up to Abba Father. And I told him exactly what I needed. I said, God, I don't mind praying to you, but every time I turn on this tractor, do I have to pray that it starts up? I said, God, all these other farmers, they're not farming for you, but they got these nice John Deere tractors and I'm wiping tears and snot from my face. I said, you know what, God, I'm going to need me one of those John Deere tractors. All right. And you know what, God, you're going to bless me with one of them daggone John Deere tractors. All right. Just like Jacob wrestled with God. I I was on that tractor. I said, you're going to bless me. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't care how you're going to do it. But you're going to bless me, God. All right? And I'm out there. And I said, God, and I made it specific. You got a vision? You write it out. You make it plain. And I said, God, this is a big farm. I need me a big tractor. I need something with with at least some four-wheel drive going around these hills. I need something at least uh, 100 horsepower. And you know what? I'm going to need one of them enclosed cabs as well. Because I want me some air conditioning. All right. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it, God. I know you're going to do it because if I jump when my babies cry out to me, daddy, daddy, you know what? I cry out to my Abba father. You know what? He's going to hear my prayers. He's going to answer my prayers. And I said that prayer and that was it. I knew it. I didn't have to say that prayer again. I knew that was it. It was signed, sealed, and delivered. I said, God, I want the tractor delivered on this farm by summer 2015. Exactly one year from now, I gave him a deadline. <laughs> May not come when you want him, but, but hey, he's coming right on time. Oh, no, no, no. God, deadline. I need this tractor by summer 2015. And I walked away from it. At that time, God is still sharing with me that, hey, He wanted us to grow sweet potatoes on the farm. And I'm like, I still don't have any seed money. You want me to do these things? How am I going to get it done? And he's telling me, Jason, just continue to walk in faith. All right. It would be better if we were blind. It would be better. 
Because I'm looking at what I see instead of walking by faith and following his instructions. And so I said, all right, God, I'll do it. I don't even know how to grow sweet potatoes. I called up a local farmer, Lynn Wester, and I said, hey, man, um, I, I want to grow some sweet potatoes on our farm, a five acre plot over here. I don't know how I'm going to get it done. I said, but I need some of your help, some of your expertise. And he said, well, well, yeah, well, Jason, I don't know much about it either, but I've got some friends down east in Nash County. You know, that's all they do. I'll ask them uh, for what they recommend. I said, you know, thank you. A month later, he calls me back. He says, hey, Jason, you know, remember that field that you had wanted to plant the sweet potatoes? He said, come on over here, take a look. And I went over there. The field was already tilled, prepped, slips in the ground, planted. And I said, what just happened? He said, oh, well, you know, we had the rest of the afternoon off. So we prepped the field and we knocked it out because he's a big farmer. All right. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, how much did all of this cost? Because we can't afford anything right at the moment. And he said, oh, well, you know, sweet potato transplants, they cost about, you know, $1,000 an acre. And I'm looking at him like, like a mechanic. Don't you work on my car until you tell me how much it's going to cost. All right. Don't you be like one of those shade tree mechanics. And he said, well, when I told the Rose Brothers in Nash County that you had intentions of donating the sweet potato crop, it touched their heart so much that they donated the sweet potato transplants. Thank you, God. Wow. And, and I'm like, and, and now, now I'm like, yeah, yeah, but what, what about you and, and your time and your labor? He said, well, you know what? Hey, d- don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. I asked him for multiple invoices uh, afterwards. He never sent them. It was a blessing. Amen. And so guess what? Now the field is already prepped and planted. Now I'll go back to God like, All right, God, it's done. Like I had something to do with it. It was still all him. God did it all. But I still went back to God and I'm like, all right, God, the field's already planted. But here's what I started calculating. I said, hold on a second. One acre of sweet potatoes can yield 20,000 pounds and it's five acres. That money that I said that, oh, I I can afford help and I can afford labor. I said, oh, I said, it's just my me, my wife. And my small children, who's going to harvest this 100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes, God? And I've got followers on social media, but they're not that faithful of followers, okay? All right? And God, I know your word says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who's going to help move this mountain of sweet potatoes? And God said, don't worry about it, Jason. I'm going to provide every help that you need. And Tay and I, we prayed fervently. And in less than two weeks, they reached out to us, someone from the Society of St. Andrew. And they're like, Jason, we just want to let you know that we've heard that you might have some crops at your field that you might need help gleaning. And we just want to let you know that we're a network of gleaners. And we have thousands of volunteers in the Triangle area that would love to come and help glean the crops from your fields. And I'm like, really? Like just thousands of gleaners, just like Ruth and Naomi in the Bible. Like, get out of here. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. But we're not going to have any gleaning opportunities at First Fruits Farm. We're going to have harvesting opportunities, meaning the best, the first fruits of every crop is going to be harvested and given to God's people in need. And that very first year, they sent out 
more than 600 volunteers. You want to talk about the faith that can move mountains? We move the whole mountain of sweet potatoes. Amen. And and they came to me afterwards saying, thank you, Jason, for allowing us to come and help you. And I'm like, you got no idea. All right. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. They had no idea just how much of a blessing they were in the body of Christ coming together to accomplish God's will. And so then at that point in time, we started receiving emails, people with, with well wishes. Some people, you know, they're just saying, hey, well, what are you growing? You need to be growing this next year. And we're like, OK, well, thank you. You know, all right. Uh, and then this one other gentleman, he emailed and said, hey, I think it's great what you guys are doing. I just want to know if you needed any help with any equipment. And me being full of pride, I'm like, I don't ask anybody for any help. All right. God's going to bless me the way that I want him to bless me. Okay. And little did I know God blesses through other people. Amen. By placing it on their hearts. And so I ignored that email. He emailed two weeks later, said, Hey, I emailed a couple of weeks ago. I think it's great what you guys are doing. Just want to know if you need any help with any equipment. And Tay looked at me and she said, Jason, will you humble yourself? You know what you've been praying for. Will you just please reach out to this gentleman? And I prayed about it and I did. So I called this gentleman up and I said, how are you doing, sir? We received your email. Hey, yeah, Jason Brown, man, we think it's so great what you're doing. Um, want to know if you need any help with any equipment. I said, yes, sir. There is something that we've been praying for. Uh, we need help with a tractor. Yeah, well, that's something we can help out with. And, and you know what? You got a big farm. You need a, a, a big tractor, something at least a uh, hundred horsepower. And you need something, uh, something reliable like a John Deere. And I'm like, like this guy's been reading my prayers. And I'm like, hold on a second, man. I don't know you from Adam. All right. And nothing's free. I said, what do you want? I said, do you want me to sign some autographs? Do you want me to make an appearance or, or endorse a product or something like that? What's your angle? And he said, God instructed me to reach out to you and ask you if you need any help with any equipment. And the only obligation that you have is for you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit the same way that I'm being obedient to the Holy Spirit right now. And when I say to just, just chills, just like shot all over my body. All right. Because he said the right words. Obedience to the Holy Spirit. I don't know who this man was. Still have no clue. A perfect stranger from California. He called up the local John Deere dealership himself. Negotiated the tractor and beat them up over the price. I'm like, man, and he let me listen on the conversation. This guy must have been an angel. Don't know who he was. And then he said, and you know what? You're going to deliver this tractor to Mr. Brown's farm with a full tank of fuel. And the salesman said, we don't deliver anyone's tractor with a full tank of fuel. Well, you're going to do it on this deal. And I'm like, who is this man that speaks with such authority? All right. That's what was going on in my head. Who is this man that speaks with such authority? All right. That tractor was delivered to our farm the first week in January of 2015. God showed up early. Amen. And I can go on and on and on of his, of his goodness, of his graces 
and his mercy. I can go on and on. But one thing that has taught me more so than anything is that in this walk of stewardship, of being obedient, is faithfulness. The world wanted me to be successful, all right? But in moving towards him, he is calling me to be faithful. He's calling my family to be faithful. Everyone that steps foot on that farm and helps us out in our in our mission, faithfulness, not worldly success, but faithfulness in him. And what that means is taking up our cross daily. Not once a week, not every other day, but daily. And here's exactly what it looks like. Maybe in a few other walks, you might be able to fake it, but not being a farmer. It's hard enough being a farmer. If you're not being faithful and tending to the animals and tending to the crops, oh, it's going to tell on you. You're going to know. And even when we are faithful, we still got to call on God because God, we need some rain. Oh God, now we got too much rain. Now, now, now we need you to back off a little bit. God, like, please help. All right. I'm ready to move over uh, to uh, to um, to Warrington, to the Hollowasa Pony Trial. I'm like, and start doing some rain dances. All right. I'm serious. But because I'm like, you have to be so in tune with God. Because you're like, God, what you've shared with me, everything of what we're doing, there's no way that I can do it by myself. I've got to follow you. I need you every day. There's no way that I can do it without you. And that's me as one man. And that's got to spread to my family. God and my marriage. There's no way that we can do it without you, with my children. We don't want to do it without you. We're a complete and total utter mess and a failure without you. And it spreads to our neighbors, to our communities, to this church, to our state, to the nation. And he's calling us to repent. The same way, getting down on my knees, the last place that I wanted to go. But it's the place that he always wanted me to be. Repentance. And the redemption and the restoration will not come until repentance is first. And God is just waiting. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do. He wants to heal our land. He wants to restore our land. But we got to do it his way. Not our way. I look at all the negativity, the dissension, and the and the media, and the news, the politics, all the bad news. And we've got the good news. We've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's right here on the inside. He's in our hearts. And the same boldness that Paul professes, that's the boldness that we have to have. To stand firm on his word. Not on anything else, but on God's word, on his truth, on his graces and his mercies. And above all, do it in love. People come to our farm and they say, it's something different about this place. Like, what? I can't put my finger on it, but it's something different. You know why? Because love is the law on First Fruits Farm. Love is the law. 
And if you come there and if you don't feel loved, then I'm doing something wrong. If you don't feel the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you don't feel just the moving of just, just the warmth and the embraceness around you, then I'm doing something wrong. Because that's the most important thing for us to profess. It's not just growing food, but it's sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Here's one thing my wife cautions me above all things. She says, Jason, we grow a lot of food. We've given away a lot, more than 900,000 pounds of food. Stop. Can't get caught up in the numbers. We can't do that because I did that before. I got caught up in the numbers. And when I was thinking about only the numbers, I was more so thinking about my flesh. Because when I was thinking about the numbers, I said, you know what? I, I, I've got to at least be cranking out a, a million pounds of food off of this farm every single year. And, and then and then people in the world will, will say, oh, yeah, Jason is a successful farmer. Jason is doing this. Jason is doing that. And you know what? 2015, we were going to grow more than 200,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. And we invited out more than 1,500 people so that everybody could see it. All right. So so so, so I could display our heirs and our giving in public. And you know what God did? Oh yeah, the deer came, tried to eat up every single sweet potato plant. A drought came, no water for our sweet potatoes. And we still had 1,500 people come out. And that very morning, October 2015, they were calling for rain all that week for Saturday morning. You know what I said? I'm a man of God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray and I'm going to move the hand of God. And I fasted for three days straight. All right. And them clouds kept coming. And I said, God, your servant is down here and I'm, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm starving for you, God. Please, God, move the clouds. You know what God said? Just like Gideon. I'm going to give you the victory, Jason. But it's going to be done in a way where everyone knows, especially you. That you had nothing to do with it. But that the glory is going to go to me. 1,500 people showed up. As soon as the last car got there, the clouds opened up. Poured out at least two inches of rain over a couple of hours. People scattered, drove away like flies. Mud, everything out there. And we got the last car off the property. The very last car unstuck. The rain stopped immediately. You talk about a humbling moment, all right? Real real humbling because at that time I was feeling like a failure. Like an utter and complete failure. But here's what I did. Through it all, I gave thanks. And if Jesus can feed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves then why am I out here trying to grow a million pounds of food every single year? God's people will be provided for and God's people will be fed. And all we have to do is repent and give thanks, honor and glory to our true king. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all of those things will be added unto us. All of those things. And so right now, 
whether we give a hundred pounds of food or we give a hundred thousand pounds of food, we are called to be faithful and to give thanks through it all. Whether I have a hundred dollars in my bank account or whether I have a hundred thousand dollars in my bank account, I'm going to be just as faithful and thankful in my period and my times and my trials of having less just as much as I am and I will if I had more. Faithfulness. Every single day. And yes, I weep. I still struggle. I bleed. I get ministry burnout all the time. Sometimes I throw a pity party and say, God, what was me? But thank goodness that woman back there, she won't let me do it. All right. My wife, she won't let me do it. It was a, it was a couple of years ago. We had a sweet potato drop at United Methodist Church in Wake Forest. And I was so tired waking up that Saturday morning. I had allergies. Um, I, I could barely walk. It, it felt like I had a train wreck and I'm looking for a way to get out of my responsibilities. Okay. And I look to my wife and I say, dear, I'm so tired. My allergies are flared up. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to make it to the sweet potato drop this morning. And I'm putting it on real thick. Could have worn an award. And you know what she said? Yeah. Four, is that four or five words? Yes. I got to add it up. She pointed towards the door and said, take up your cross. That's all she said. Take up your cross. And you know what I did? I walked my tail towards that door. (laughs) And the whole time I was thinking, God, that woman, that woman, you put my helpmate, God. God is faithful. Amen. And our walk, that's our ultimate goal. To match his faithfulness. And all we have to do is take up our cross and follow him daily. Recognize Jesus Christ as Lord for who he truly is. Recognize him in forsaking all to follow him. It's the best decision I've ever made in my life. The best decision. He had to, he had to beat me across the head for me to get it. All right. I pray that every single one of you in here, you got it. Amen. And if you don't get it, I pray that Jesus just, the Holy Spirit just, he hits you right where you are, dead in your tracks. And whatever it takes, whatever it takes, is worth it. Whatever it takes, he is worth it because he is worthy. I love you all. Thank you guys. faithfulness morning by morning 
New mercies I see. All I have needed, I have hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's sing that once again. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, so thankful today for your faithfulness to us. You are an awesome God. You are Abba Father. You care for your children more than we can even imagine. And we're thankful for the word that we have heard here today. Thank you for each person who has come. And then this congregation as we've heard it explained so beautifully today that our faith, our hope, our trust, our very lives need to be committed to you. Lord, if there is one person in this building today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their hearts and that this would be the day that they would say yes to you. This would be the day they would humble themselves before you. This would be the day, and Jason said it so plainly, that they would repent. We thank you, Lord, that according to your word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. It is done. If we will do our part, you will do your part. Lord, so in a moment, as I ask if there's anyone here that would like to accept you as their Lord and Savior today, even now, Holy Spirit, prepare their hearts, minister to them. Lord, we're going to give the opportunity for them to just lift their hands in a moment and say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. Lord, please save me. Thank you, Lord, that it's not hard to do because the work has already been done. You did that on Calvary's cross when you died for us. And you said, it is finished. All we have to do is accept and believe, repent, and then live our lives for you. We can enjoy the same kind of experience with God 
that Jason has expressed today. So Holy Spirit, prepare the hearts of people just now. Help some man, some woman, some boy or girl be bold enough. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, help them to be bold enough just to lift their hands and say, Pastor, would you please pray the sinner's prayer so that I might can say it in my heart and pray it in my heart and that Jesus would come into my life. So minister, we pray today in Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here today and you would like to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, ask Him to forgive your sin. According to the Word of God, if you will make that prayer, He will hear that prayer and will answer your prayer. There doesn't have to be begging. It doesn't take an hour or 30 minutes or even five minutes. It takes a sincere prayer on your part to say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to be saved. Please forgive me and write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I will, Lord, be obedient to you to the best of my knowledge and ability as you help me grow. If you would like to do that today, give your life to Christ, would you lift your hand? Anybody here? Anybody here? I see one hand. Any others? Just pray with me in your heart. Lord Jesus, I do want to be a child of God. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I know you died on the cross and you did it for me too. If there had been no one else, you would have done it for me because that's who you are. So please wash me and cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. I want to commit my life to you today. By faith in the word of God and what was done on Calvary, I accept by faith the salvation, Lord, that you died to bring into my heart and life. I want to live for you the rest of my days. I want to serve you. I love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this one?